0: Greetings from Soundography, a crash course in music, one band at a time.
1: I'm Brian Abbott. And I am the Mountain King.
0: You are the Mountain King. And uh, we have a special guest because this is a sponsored episode of Soundography. Please welcome to the show, Steve. Hello. Hey there. Happy to uh, join you guys again and uh, have
2: a chance to talk about some great music.
0: No kidding. And and I should say welcome back to the show, right? Because, uh, man, this is third, fourth time. Or no, Actually, time? only second time. Only uh,
2: second time. Okay. You know, this is a little different than the toasters, but, uh, you know.
1: <laughs> Considerably, yes. So, Brian, would you like to tell him what your text you sent me, or shall I? Oh, let me see. The text I sent you,
0: um, okay. <laughs> yes, basically, uh, I said, how many albums into Sabotage do I have to get through before I hear something different? <laughs> <laughs> or is it the second one? The second one is actually what I was. Uh, I'm three hoping. Album, I'm three albums in, and I want to pour three D resin in my ears and lay in a UV tanning bed. <laughs> so <laughs> let let me let me back up a little bit, Steve, because the last thing I want to do is yuck your yum, especially um, uh, especially since you suggested this to us. Uh, typically, this is this is not the kind of stuff that I normally listen to. Sabotage definitely isn't, and I didn't know what to expect. With oh, I guess we haven't even said what we're listening to. it sabotage and the Trans-Siberian Orchestra because they're one and the same, and I didn't realize that until until you sponsored the episode. It, it surprised the heck out of me. Hammond, of course, knew this already. He, he goes way back with this stuff, but um, uh, this was this was news to me. And for the spectrum, man, the the two sides for me. I mean, they could be more different for sure, but um, they are uh, two very distant points on the on the uh, number line for me, and one point is completely contained within my circle, and the other point is
1: <laughs> way outside of my okay, circle. Okay, and I will say that their first three albums yeah. aren't my cup of tea either. Sure. They, they did get better for me
0: going through. You'll be surprised that there was only one... Sabotage song in my playlist, and the rest are TSO uh,
1: songs. I'm, I'm actually not surprised at that.
0: You're not surprised, no. And it's less about the metal. My gosh, we haven't even given Steve a chance to talk. <laughs>
1: um, we will. I what? just. But, but this we is will. good okay. setup. This is good setup.
0: This is all the setup, um, and it's less about the metal than it is the melodrama. Is there a term Melo, metal melodrama? <laughs> oh, there there should be. Like It's the, it's, that it's the
1: it's the pomp and circumstance of their stuff.
0: It is. And anything that doesn't have lyrics in, in it, I am one hundred percent on board. And then like some of the stuff that has lyrics I'm like 75 percent on board. But the you know, the, the the stuff that's super melodramatic, that's the reason I don't like meatloaf. You know, it's one of the big reasons I don't like meatloaf. Have you tried it with ketchup? <laughs> it's the only way I can have meatloaf is with lots and lots of ketchup or the Rocky Horror picture show. But uh yeah, no, it's 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 the there. There are other bands I'm sure I could come up with that that have that that just for whatever reason don't resonate with me. But I am so happy for the people that it does resonate with, and and uh, more power to them. So Steve, with all that, hello and welcome to your Soundography once again.
2: Yeah, well, no, I'm glad to be here for this, and you know, actually, it, it's interesting hearing you talk about all that because. I'll admit I'm somewhat the same way where the, the trans Siberian orchestra is uh, part of really why I was thinking of, you know, we're, approaching holiday season this would be a good time to uh, sponsor something like that but with that and, and seeing the significant overlap with uh, with Sabotage uh, pulling them in as well you know I'll admit most of my listening has been more on the TSO side you know I first discovered Sabotage like most people do in the, the 90s of Columbia House sent me the
1: uh, <laughs> CD when I didn't respond in time I got uh,
0: to send that card back <laughs> it,
1: it, it, I was probably exactly. what was it uh handful Full of Rain or uh, Edge of Thorns? Because those that's one of the two. It was actually Dead, Winter, Dead. Oh, my so gosh. The, wow.
2: Yeah. Mm. So, um, but, you know, it, and I really, you know, I knew of like, you know, the Who's Tommy and, and things like that as far as kind of rock opera style things. But I hadn't really listened to a whole lot of that. But, you know, maybe it was just caught my uh, teenage, you know, um, drama years or something like that, but kind of caught my attention there. And, you know, I picked up a few albums, but I will say, you know, where normally uh, sponsoring an episode is kind of like, oh, I love this band, I'm completely into this band, I know everything about them. This one's almost more of me getting to learn a whole lot about their history, uh, especially on the sabotage side, because, you know, I do, you know, I have a few of the albums, you know, Edge of Thorns, Streets you know, Hall of the Mountain King, uh, obviously Dead, Wind or Dead. But, you know, I didn't really, I've never really gone through their entire catalog uh, on that side of the world. Whereas, you know, TSO, that's more of what I've uh, listened to. You know, I grew up just in a house that was playing like uh, Mannheim Steamroller and things like that. So having kind of different, uh, takes on Christmas music is uh, something that's not that unusual for me. Uh, so that one kind of came really easily for me is uh, uh, picking that up. And I actually, you know, originally didn't even know that they were necessarily the same band until I was like, Oh, they do a great cover of uh, the Christmas Eve Sarajevo uh, yes. song. And then I was like, Oh wait, no, these are the same people doing that song. <laughs> um, just, with a, a different name. So, um, so yeah, so this is a chance for, uh, me to, to almost learn, uh, from all of you about, uh, some of the, the things that they've been doing, not just, uh, with their holiday music, but, uh, going back uh, throughout their careers.
0: Well, you couldn't have picked a better person to kind of lead you on that journey because there's, you know, they, they, they definitely go into, they evolve into kind of a prog rock, prog metal, uh, band, throughout their through through the uh, sabotage does through huh. their tenure. So yep. um and the person who you, this is the this is your Sherpa, you know, that uh, <laughs> that we're on the on the line with because he is the prog prog I keep wanting to create some portmanteaus. You can, you with, can
1: call me a prog hole. It's fine. I we Prog <laughs> hole. <laughs> I, <wasn't, laughs> I forgot about that term because that, that like goes way back to yeah. the first season of uh soundography. <laughs> I was thinking like
0: a prog spurt. Okay. Uh, wow. Okay. You're very pragmatic. I don't know. There's there's something. It needs, it needs a little work, but there's something there.
1: But I I I bought Hall of the Mountain King when it came out uh, shortly, probably not day and date, but shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. And then I I've been with them ever since. In fact, I think their for me their greatest album that Savatage put out was Wake of Magellan, which I think is their most theatrically prog-rocky most likely to be put up on a stage in a production piece that they've ever done. And then trans Siberian came around and they just started kind of rehashing all the things they did with sabotage with the instrumental pieces. Like they still do hall of the mountain King in concert. They still, I mean, that 1224 was lifted directly. I don't even think they re recorded it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think they just took the tape and just moved it over. Yeah. Uh, And all the sensibilities they developed like in gutter ballet, They transfer it right up to, you know, Wizards in Winter and all the things they do for Trans-Siberian. And it's interesting watching them mature musically, also being completely aware that their audience is doing the same thing. So talk about following the money. Right? Yeah, it's a really good point. It's like uh, um, they
0: know know which side of the bread their butter is on. The Christmas side. The Christmas side. It's like once people started connecting their – their uh light outdoor display systems to raspberry Pis. that sarajevo (laughs) song became a massive hit
1: well i think wizards in the winter was the one that budweiser used for their ad oh really okay that was when it blew up and everyone started doing it my favorite is i saw a house that uh did rain in blood from slayer Uh with that and it was actually really really good oh that's
0: great wow (laughs) awesome Let's go back to Steve here. So, what um, you kind of gave us a little bit of an idea of why you picked them. You're, you're, you know, you uh, learned more about TSO first and then kind of found out about Sabotage um, back from there. Have you, I know that the um, Trans Siberian Orchestra does tour. Have you ever seen them in concert?
2: You know, I haven't seen them in concert. I was looking up, uh, you know, their tours uh, just thinking, you know, going to talk to you all and uh, it's interesting it looks like there's actually two uh, i guess they have a west coast and an east coast band because when i was seeing that they were coming here to dc on the same night they're playing i think kansas city or someplace like that so i'm not quite sure how that all works uh, yep. as far as you know uh, i know
1: they have two groups that travel around and they split the headline members between the two groups and sometimes they switch back and forth, but yeah, they have two coinciding tours, and like the I've seen them up until the pandemic. I think I've seen them four times, and I got Al Petrelli on guitar. Paul O'Neill was singing because this was when he was still, you know. And uh, so it was, it was great. I, I love it.
2: Yeah, they're definitely on my list of uh, bands to see. I just haven't uh, haven't had the chance yet.
0: Yeah, they do look like they'd be amazing, just just a, a total spectacle. And uh, um, not just like, all right, get me in that Christmas spirit with some real, you know, some screaming guitars and some great versions of God Rest You Merry Gentlemen and stuff. But it's, uh, I don't know, just the, that power, that impact that it seems to be prevalent in their music and, and uh, would be great to see live, just would be amazing to see live.
2: They do have a video that's on, I think it's on iTunes and probably Prime and other places, uh, of their uh, "Ghosts of Christmas Eve," which has, I think it, it seems like it pulls in like some videos uh, that they may have done for some of their songs, but they also have a lot of like, like a fairly young uh, Jewel sings along with them and oh, uh, really? uh, other. Um, kind of singers kind of join them uh, for for a number of pieces. So it's you know I don't think it's a very long uh, uh, movie, but uh, it's kind of a well done piece.
1: Yeah, yeah, that looks like
0: actually be really cool. I, I, like I own
1: that. the I own the DVD of that and pull it out. Every, <laughs> I trot it out every year. And those of you who are surprised, please, uh, this is your
0: this must be your first time listening to the show.
1: <laughs> when I worked in the rehab facility, I used to show it the last night before Christmas that I worked. Did you really? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. What was what were people's reactions? I'm uh, sure they loved it. About half and half. I mean, some oh, really? kids would okay. be like, eh, eh, eh. Other kids were like, uh-huh. oh, cool. It just kind of depended on the kids. But I would do it every yeah. year. All the staff looked forward to it, so.
0: Oh, no, I have to check that out. So I, I didn't even hear that. Uh, does Jewel perform on the, oh, she does, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. So on the studio version as well, not just the video version. I did not even, when I heard that, I did not even pick up that that was, uh. That was Jewel. Interesting. I guess now we know who will save her soul. Right there on that album. She answered that question right there. What else?
1: Let's see. Uh, Hammond, what? Got uh, any more questions for Steve? Well, so Steve, as far as going backwards to their catalog, uh, what what albums or songs or kind of eras? do you kind of find as your comfort zone?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm still probably more on the the TSO side of the world. You know, I do like a lot of their instrumentals. um, But also, you know, some of the things that they can do as far as, you know, they jump between kind of rock and jazz and blues and, and kind of different styles of music across, you know, whether they're doing Christmas canon or, you know, you know, classical music box and, and some of the other, uh, songs along those lines that can really kind of change styles a, a bit. It's all still, you know, obviously, uh, TSO, but, um, you know, they, they really have some pretty, uh, pretty broad range as far as what they're able to do, you know, going back to sabotage, you know, I did, you know, my introduction to them was through uh, Dead Winter Dead, so uh, definitely hearing some some songs on there. You know the the Mozart of Madness and Conversation piece. I always joke that I've never heard someone so serious about singing about a cup of tea, um,
1: <laughs>
2: but uh, um, you know it, it is. Uh, you know they they've they've got some pretty good uh, songs across their album.
0: They do. I was really you you hit upon something that. Uh that I definitely wanted to talk about was how surprised I was to hear songs outside of the Christmas realm. I, I completely and totally connected TSO to Christmas and said, okay, well that's what their, their deal is. They do um, a lot of the more secular uh, Christmas songs as these kind of bombastic metal, um, orchestral metal pieces. So when I got to like Beethoven's, um, let's see. Last night. Album, Beethoven's last night. And even Nightcastle, I was so surprised about some of the stuff I was hearing, like, oh, my gosh, this is great. This is, uh, I know we're going to talk about one of those as part of your playlist, Hammond, but it completely surprised me that uh, to hear some of these these classical covers that weren't Christmas songs and even Christmas songs merged with um Classical pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ode to Joy mixed with, uh, uh, was it Jesu, Joy of Man's Desires"? Uh-huh. Yep. is that the song? But hearing those two combined, Tino is like, wait a minute, This is this a Christmas song? Because it's it's the one that the bride and groom usually, or the, uh-huh. the, the, the <laughs> bridesmaids usually walk down the aisle to. I'm like, well, I'm kind of hearing it in a Christmas
1: sense or in a Christmas tone, but no, this isn't typically a Christmas yeah. song. So.
0: That aspect of it, we really, really love.
1: I have, I just, just for everyone to kind of understand, I have a Night Castle Christmas ornament. <laughs> Why? How are you still able to surprise me with this stuff? Happening? I don't get it. <laughs> okay, tell me more. Is it the actual like it's the thing on the cover of the album? It is a a ball ornament, uh-huh. and it has the castle and then Trans Siberian underneath it. Because I also have a sabotage with the guitar with the roses. I have that Christmas ornament, too.
2: <laughs> I think the the fans are going to need a picture of this tree. Uh, I can God, only imagine what sense. kind of Megadeth uh, uh, ornament or whatever is on there.
1: I don't have that, but I do have a Dream Theater ornament.
2: Of course, well, there's of course. a
1: Dream Theater ornament. How much of the tree does it take up? <laughs> <laughs> and only only one only one branch, but it takes me 17 minutes to hang it. <laughs>
0: exactly what about uh, uh, oh, who's the band that you like that does the masks the oh masks mushroom, head? Yeah, mushroom Head yeah Do have have Mushroom Head I have a Mushroom Head ornament too
1: yeah are these like these bands really officially produce so, Christmas ornaments so the Dream Theater and the Trans-Siberian and the Sabotage are all officially I got them from their website the Mushroom Head someone made for me
0: okay interesting golly this is this is uh,
1: I love learning about this stuff with you Hammond <laughs> just like i have the uh metallic technopoly set (laughs) oh that's great enter
0: sandman is boardwalk
1: (laughs) has to be right (laughs) actually i've never i it's still wrapped in plastic i have yet to open the the monopoly no one's willing to play monopoly with me so it's still wrapped up in the box oh that's
0: kind of unfortunate i mean i'd really be curious to see like
1: what the pieces are and uh i I will take i will crack it open when we're done and send you pictures Sounds good. I
0: think you could probably just take a picture of the back of the box, and I'm sure we'd be able to figure out what. Um, okay, I can do that. Boardwalk, and that way, that way, just in case you decide you're gonna unleash unleash this thing on eBay when it's worth a lot. Oh, uh, I'm you. not that guy. Yeah. <laughs> At some good point, fun. I'm gonna play it.
1: Yeah, good. I'm glad. Uh, so, Stephen, I was talking actually to you before about streets and how I've got this version that's this narrated version, and how do you? Do you enjoy the rock opera at all? Yeah, absolutely.
2: And you know, I do like the way you know they they're able to kind of tie the story um, you know across the the various songs. And um, yeah, you were you were explaining that you had uh, this you know book that or, or a version that essentially contains kind of the um, narration, I guess the in between pieces. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I haven't heard that before. I'd I'd love to to catch that one of the. I'll have to look up look that up. Um, but yeah, no, I, I definitely like some of that, uh, being able to, to tie everything together and uh, really tell a story across an album.
1: Yeah, I might, like I said, I think my favorite might be Wake of Magellan, uh, just because of the, I feel like the musicianship was really good. And I feel like the strong, the songs really stand out. But uh, I, I mean, I, I can't say that I haven't been a fan for years, because I have been, I have ebbed and flowed with them. And I've always found something to like every album, but uh, when they broke into Trans Siberian, I was uh, I was really impressed that they had taken all the things they'd learned through all those albums, Gutter Ballet, Wake up Magellan, all that stuff, and then wrapped it all up into a new project. Talk about rebranding! I mean, this is this is this is rebranding at its most successful. Yeah, for sure. I mean. Well, and be- I had
2: read an article somewhere that they were saying, actually, I think one of the, they must've been kind of transitioning, uh, between the, the two right around the time that, uh, that Christmas Eve Sarajevo came out because they said, uh, you know, basically the album with it on TSO sold so many more than, um, yeah. <laughs> the sabotage version did. Um, and they were talking about you know was it the name sabotage did that turn people off and therefore or scare them away and uh whereas you know i guess trans-siberian orchestra is not uh you know certainly doesn't sound as much like a, a you know rock band uh style so um yeah they they were saying um, uh, o'neill was kind of talking about uh, the name and what impact that might have had on their their ultimate success yeah
1: i agree
0: so they haven't done anything as Sabotage since the switchover?
1: Or no, there was, there one was album. overlap between... There's one album that overlapped. One album, okay.
2: Yep. And a number of the Sabotage people, unfortunately, are no longer yep. um, around.
0: Yep. So. Oh,
1: really? Okay. Yeah, I in fact, I think I think uh, in the last couple of years, all the talks of reuniting Sabotage in any way, shape, or form have died just because... All the key players, except for one, I think, have passed away.
0: Mm.
1: Oh, that's yep. sad. So, Stephen, anything so, else you yeah. want to add before we jump into the, our uh, full-on discussion?
2: No, I, you know, I can't wait to, to hear uh, your discussion, and uh, can't wait to hear which songs you all pull out, as well as uh, you know school me on some of the uh uh previous uh pieces that i've missed uh, from their catalog so i'm really uh excited to, to hear this episode and uh, appreciate you guys for all the work you do for uh pulling together all these different bands i always look forward to listening uh each season
0: oh, well it's our pleasure and and uh, uh- you know, here getting to hear feedback like this right from you, obviously recharges our batteries, but also reminds us why we do the show. It's a great introduction, not just for listeners but also for us to the stuff that, um, the stuff that the people that we that we respect and like music wise recommend to us. So thank you for this, and and uh, you know maybe I won't always uh, enjoy it as much as Hammond, and sometimes Hammond won't enjoy it as much as me, but I'll always enjoy. Checking out new stuff.
2: Well, you know, I figure I sponsored a a ska band. Now I (laughs) sponsored this. I'm going to have to figure out how far in a completely different direction to go for uh, next time. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. Yes.
0: What, what, uh, yeah, no kidding. What other extremes can we hit? Uh, Perfect. Well, Steve, thank you so much for being part of this and uh, for being a listener and and supporter of Soundography. And um, do you want to direct the folks to like some online? Presence. I know I always ask this, and I don't always remember who has a an online presence and who's like, ah, no, I don't want, I don't want more people on my, on my. Yeah, Twitter I channel. mean,
2: well, at least uh, right now, I, I still have somewhat of a, a Twitter presence. <laughs> I'm not that active, uh, but uh, just S E W E L L, the number two on on Twitter, and um, you know, people can see mostly uh, you know, following uh, different basketball and uh and then uh, some of the the foundation work we do so or nice. i do so um but uh, yeah people can find me on there but otherwise just look forward to listening to the episode
0: cool well thanks again and um uh look forward to getting your feedback once you hear the rest of the show From Soundography, a crash course in music, one band at a time. I'm Brian Ibbett. And
1: I am the Mountain King.
0: Ah, uh, and this must be your hall. It's a very nice hall. Uh.
1: <laughs> for patrons, for patrons, they know that I'm the little guy.
0: That's true. And actually, people have already heard the first part of this show yep. with our with our sponsor, Steve, so they they already know what we're talking about. Yep. Yep. And that's uh, Sabotage and the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. As you heard the intro, this is a sponsored episode. Once again, big thanks to Steve for uh, uh, for sponsoring this episode, making us listen to a lot of music. This is a lot of stuff.
1: Yeah, it is. It was a lot of notes for me to write. <laughs>
0: oh, I'm sure it is. Yeah, it was. <laughs> so let's just let's just dive headlong into it. And as we go through this, we'll talk about likes and dislikes as we yeah. normally uh-huh. do. Absolutely. All right, Sabotage was formed in Florida in 1979 by John and Chris Oliva. They initially were called Avatar, but changed the name right before the release of their first album. John and Chris started working on music, and they met Steve Doc Walchels, who played
1: the drums. Steve was uh, really known for being a hard-hitting, heavy-handed drummer, and so he was always breaking his kits. So his full (laughs) nickname was Dr. Hardware Kill Drums. And they shortened
0: it to Doc. <laughs> to Doc. Oh, that's great. Kill drums. Hilarious. Uh, Keith Collins soon joined on bass. They released their first album in 1983 called Sirens. The music on this album was heavy and fast. Their style would pretty much evolve right from here. This and the next EP were all recorded in just one day. It sounds like it. Yeah, this and like one day for both or yeah, one day uh-huh. for each. No, one wow. day for both. Okay.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, it does sound like it. Most of the songs had all been written in the week before entering the studio. Sounds later, like it. the two <laughs> later the two albums were remastered and released on one CD. The cover of the 1985 release was the cover of a children's book, "The Barables Go for Broke." Uh, the song "Holocaust" was an early composition. And this album has been re-released in 1994, 2002, and 2011, each time adding new tracks.
1: I will go ahead and say that up through 87's Hall of the Mountain King, I don't like these early albums. They're hard for me to listen to because I know what's coming and these just sound so high school talent show. Um, I'm,
0: and people I think probably already heard me say this, but... I had a really hard time with all the sabotage stuff, and it's it's not because of the heavy metal. I'm fine with heavy metal. It is very tropey heavy metal. I mean, it is. <laughs> but was it, it, it is, tropey
1: when they were doing it, or is it tropey now?
0: It's trope. Well, well, that's a really good point. I mean, I guess it was perfect for the time period when they were doing it. So that's that's a really good point. However, even back in 1983 through 1998, <laughs> 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 lyrics the lyrics just didn't work for me. Like they were so melodramatic and overwrought. And I feel like if you're a songwriter and you've, you've got a 10 a flair for the uh, melodrama, you shouldn't make every song on the album carry the the same amount of weight. Um, You need to uh, kind of balance it out and have like a, some ups, some downs, you know, basically here's a heavy song, but then here's kind of a lighter song lyric wise. And it's just about a, a a tree. And then here's a heavy song about going into the night and finding the power of the devil. And then here's a lighter song about uh, another tree. I don't know. I mean, it's a bad example. But no, it, I
1: get it, it. I get it. And I, I think- It's exhausting. <laughs> it is. It, I, I totally get where you're coming from. However, most of their albums from, uh, let's see- uh let's see probably from streets no from gutter ballet through mm. poets and madmen they're all concept albums they're all rock operas so there's yeah. a level of uh theatricality through like theatrical,
0: included melodrama right yes. there
1: and like. so it it kind of leans into that so i understand how you might see it as a as a detriment but yeah. if you look at it from the theatrical rock opera potentially put on stage kind of point of view it mm-hmm. kind of works cuz there's going to be you know exposition and dialogue. It, it didn't in between. for me.
0: Yeah, it didn't for me. And the um, and all of those albums that you just mentioned, everything from you know Gutter Ballet forward, I listened to in one sitting, or each each album I listened to in one oh, sitting. Oh
1: wow, that's abusive. I'll even say I'm a <laughs> fan, and I think it's abusive.
0: Well, no, what I'm saying is I didn't listen to all of the albums. Gutter Ballet forward in one sitting I listened to each of those I didn't I didn't interrupt the concept album Oh okay album. I thought
1: you were going through I thought you just sat down and said all right I'm going to no. clockwork oranges thing
0: Oh gosh no <laughs> no but, but but I did listen to them as concept albums because okay, it right. became obvious that they were and it still didn't whatever it was just still didn't work for me and I like concept albums I mean The Wall I would put as in my top 10 albums of all time because <laughs> it it's such a great you know story but you need you know for every another brick in the wall part 3 part 4 actually in any of the parts you need a you need a vera or a run like hell yeah. you need a little break from the um the melodrama the story cuz yeah the, the melodrama. melodrama yeah
1: and yeah. i and I, I get it and in many many cases i totally get it because yeah. as i've become as i've gotten older and i don't have like you know, time to listen to full things. I have selected two or three songs from each of those albums and that's what I listen to. So mm-hmm. I I get it because there's just a lot of, a lot of sabotage to go through. And sometimes, especially at the back half of the albums always felt a little mm-hmm. bit weaker than the first half.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay.
1: That's from, from um, my take and this on it. Is,
0: you know, and people who've been listening to our show know exactly where the, the different tastes between you and I lie, like where the where the biggest chasm between yeah. our tastes is, and and it kind of is this.
1: Yeah, it, it, <laughs> this is actually, I think it might be the demarcation line.
0: It might be, yes, exactly. Uh, all right, so they followed up uh, sirens with dungeons are calling in
1: 1984.
0: This is a loose concept album based on the horrors of drug use. I didn't get that at all. Some of the metaphors used have been misunderstood and taken for references to hell and torture, which is maybe my surface listening gave me that impression. I didn't pick up the drug use. In 2011, this was combined, as we mentioned, with Sirens and released as one album, as uh, John Oliva had said, uh, was the way that he intended it to be. These two indie releases earned them a contract with Atlantic Records and in 1985 their second full-length album was released. That album was called Power of the Night. It was initially released without a parental advisory sticker but later Atlantic issued it with some of the sexual metaphors in Hard for Love and Skull Session.
1: The power So Atlantic knew that it would help sell the album by having the sticker on it. Like we talked about in the patron show. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes bands stuck that on there thinking, ooh, we make it seem a little bit uh, taboo. We little more, exactly. We'll sell a few more albums.
0: A little verboten. Uh, Keith Collins left the band after this. The bass guitarist, John and Chris, weren't happy with his playing on the album and they had to fix some of it in the studio.
1: Johnny Lee Middleton replaced him shortly after the album was released this album introduced a liberal amount of piano and keyboards. Yeah. This Broadway style of structure uh, would continue. And I would say reach its peak by Wake of Magellan and maybe even fatigue point, maybe the album or two before that. (laughs) I I love it. I love it. But again, it, it, it does become a bit much. And it's funny how that same setup works so well in Trans-Siberian doesn't carry over as well in repeated uh, sabotage.
0: So true. It's uh, for sabotage. It's almost like a spice that you don't want to overuse or put in every dish. You want to kind of.
1: It's rosemary. You want to put a little bit, but not in every, not so much and not on everything. Exactly.
0: Yep. Uh, The label had budgeted for a video for hard for love, but demanded that the band change the name to hot for love. They refused and no video was shot. In 1986 they released Fight for the Rock We all loved Dwayne Johnson The label imposed a more commercial approach to this album And it didn't work out very well
1: This Fight for
0: the Nightmare. <laughs> I, would, I wonder if there are other bands, like that. there are nicknames for albums that the bands have that, you know, the general audience has no idea about. I'd love to <laughs> see a list of those. I'll bet there are some. This album contained two covers, Day After Day by Badfinger and Wishing Well by Free. Not, not the one by Terrence Trent Darby. John Oliva had starred writing for other artists like John Waite. From formerly of the Babies. This later led to infighting with the label and band, which John responded to with alcohol and drugs. 1987 saw the release of Hall of the Mountain King. This was the first commercially successful album. The title track became the band's first video, which got a lot of play on Headbangers Ball.
1: Okay, so I really like the song. The video has not aged well. (laughs) It really hasn't. And
0: uh, for those of you... uh, did, the, did, did my reaction thing... Oh, it's, already, it's people... already...
1: It is already on the Patreon page. Oh, it is. Okay, uh-huh. so if patron you're a Patreon,
0: you get to basically... You get a, a Brian live reaction audio clip <laughs> for the first time I've ever seen that video. And, and probably um, the last. Without a doubt. Yeah. <laughs> without a doubt. The 24 Hours Ago also had a video made. They went on tour with Dio, Megadeth, Iron Maiden, and so many others. This introduced them to new audiences. And it was around this time that new producer Paul O'Neill would introduce a more symphonic element
1: to that. And Paul, as we know, became a <laughs> major player in their future. Sure, yeah. Uh, and And that symphonic sound,
0: uh, obviously the same thing yeah uh, nineteen eighty nine saw the release of gutter Ballet. This album has a more conceptual edge to it, and it's seen as a turning point for the band They adopted a more progressive style. Yay for Hammond! With longer songs. Yay for heaven again. Complex melodies and various vocal styles. Gutter ballet and when the crowds are gone reflect influences from mainstream musicals.
1: Yeah. So Paul had seen Phantom of the Opera and it really, really <laughs> took a hold on him. <laughs> I can see that actually. That's great. Well, what's weird too is right about this time, and I don't know which production he saw, but right about this time, Paul Stanley of Kiss was the Phantom in the Toronto cast. Okay. So he might've gone to see Paul Stanley. Might've seen the Canadian one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: There'd been many songs written that didn't fit this new style and were later released on re-releases of Sirens or reworked for John Aldo's pain later on. In 1989, Chris Caffrey, who'd been playing with them uh, live, officially joined the band. And even though he didn't play on the album, he's credited and seen in the liner notes. That said, he left the band shortly after it was released, but he kept writing and later rejoined them in the late 90s. 1991 saw the release of Streets, a rock opera. This features the story of a fallen rock star named D.T. Jesus.
1: Or Detox, downtown. That's what we used to call him.
0: Delirium Tremens, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> it did not sell as well as expected.
1: Here's the thing. This album was released in 1991, the year that grunge yeah. kind of took over everything. So it, it not selling well kind of was expected
0: not a shock yeah grunge was the the antithesis to the heavily polished arranged sound that uh, that these guys were were known for uh jesus saves did get radio airplay and even had a video
1: Since its release, it's been seen as a landmark album of not just the band, but like rock opera concept albums in well, overall. Well, uh, makes sense, right? Because it's you
0: know it even 1981 is certainly not an early, not the earliest of concept albums, but uh, but the rock opera style, that theatrical um, symphonic theatrical style of metal, kind of uh, new breaking new ground for them. It was actually supposed to be a double album, but the label didn't like that idea. And it was supposed to have narration between the tracks, but that was also scrapped. The liner notes gave the full story. The master tapes to Streets have been lost. And not, not in the fire, not in the Sony fire, No, right?
1: no, not the universal fire. Not the universal, universal fire, yeah, I mean, no. yeah. So in 1992, I was in college and uh, I designed a set costumes came over the dream cast and have the entire have a folder with all this show information (laughs) like a production folder for the show oh wow just as kind of like a a fun mental exercise unlimited money Mm -hmm. yeah yep it's a mental exercise of of what i would do if i had the opportunity that's awesome
0: Let's see the uh, oh, In 2013 a narrated version of the album was released.
1: Yeah, I just got this and it's actually kind of good. It it fills in so reading along in the CD liner notes was hard cuz the print was small and you know sometimes it was just pain in the butt to read. Having sure. the liner notes and the story now be interspersed in the story helps with the musical aspect of it, helps with the story aspect of it. And also, kind of gives you those breaks between some of the melodrama. Oh, sure, that would, yeah, yep. That I don't mind. I, I
0: like, I like narration and and talking in my uh, rock operas. After the streets tour, John left to focus on his project, Doctor Butcher, and his Broadway-bound musical
1: Romanov, which was about the Black Widow of all things. No,
0: <laughs> amazing.
1: And <laughs> as of 20- that doesn't sound
0: like a party. <laughs>
1: As of 2013, the only, only one instrumental track from Romanoff has been released by Trans-Siberian Orchestra, and it was the, uh, on uh, Dream With Fireflies. Oh, wow.
0: That's a bummer. You'd think that that would somehow get released. if They're, they're so good about releasing all this other, this other stuff that they've recorded and not officially released that you think they would have figured out a way to pull it out. Uh, Zachary Stevens, at this point, was brought into the band as a singer. In 1993, they released the album Edge of Thorns. They started getting a lot of mainstream attention with this album.
1: There are a ton of great songs on this album and one of the stupidest lyric lines, I think, in all of <laughs> musical history. And uh-huh. that is this line where he screams over and over again, but I don't think about you anymore. Now, if you are yelling <laughs> that line into a microphone, you are clearly thinking about them still. Sure. Saying and it's not, not said ironically like
0: <laughs> no. like... I'm trying to tell myself that I don't think about you anymore. No, you've listened
1: to the song. You know he's not being ironic about it. He's standing there, balls out, saying, I don't think about you anymore. I
0: don't
2: think about you anymore.
1: And clearly, <laughs> by that statement, he is thinking about them still. And he, still keeping.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on October 17th, 1993, Chris Oliver was killed by a drunk driver. John decided to keep going with the band to keep the memory of him and his music alive. There was a, tri- a tribute concert with the streets lineup. And Alex uh, Skolnick stepped in to record the next album. We've talked about him before. I'm trying to remember with who, but we, I, I know that name. In 1994, they released Handful of Rain. Uh, Chance was the first Sabotage
1: song to use counterpoint vocals. And it's weird because they... And it, it, it it's not just counterpoint, it's also row row, your boat round. And, oh, and so it's not that it's well what,
0: officially what is counterpoint vocals? Is it back patter, like basically where you're singing something and then the backing vocals sing a response as opposed to just repeating?
1: Yeah, it's 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 a it's also where they're offbeat of each other. Okay. So and that's, hence
0: the row, 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 you're yeah. both
1: thing. So it, it starts as a round, it goes into counterpoint, they're singing pictures at an exhibition, which is the Mazorski piece of music they're referencing. They're doing oh. the look away, look away. You know they' there it's a it's a it's a really complicated vocal set by four different voices mm. uh it's great but it also when you back up it's just row, row your row your boat sure <laughs> funny which is my uh, mom's oh, comment what? to it I'll uh, credit <laughs> to my mom that's my mom's joke oh that's funny
0: that <laughs> your mom had an opinion on a sabotage <laughs> yeah. song I love it oh my gosh <laughs> Uh, Alone You Breathe from this album was a tribute to uh, Chris Oliva. A CD VHS was released called Japan Live 1994 and later releases. It's called Live in Japan. And Al Petrelli was hired at the request of the label.
1: And Al had played with Alice Cooper, Asia, and then he joined Megadeth after this stint and then returned to the returned to uh, Sabotage after a stint with Mustaine. Just chased him back, basically. Yeah. In
0: 1995, they released Dead Winter Dead. This was their second rock opera, and it was way more ambitious. Instrumental Christmas Eve Sarajevo, 1224, which is a very metal cover of Carol of the Bells, gained the band international crossover success. And a hundred videos of people who've programmed Raspberry Pi setups for their (laughs) outdoor Christmas lights.
1: Well, this and Wizards in Winter are both huge. Is that another one that's used frequently for that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: After the Dead Winter Dead tour, members of Sabotage started working on a new project, The Trans-Siberian Orchestra. We're finally at the TSO portion of our show. Uh, Paul O'Neill brought John Oliva and Al Petrelli together with Robert Kinkle to form the main creative team. Uh, That said, they still released another uh, Sabotage album, 1995's Ghost in the Ruins. This was a compilation tribute album made up of live tracks featuring Chris Oliva. In 1996, as Trans-Siberian Orchestra, they released Christmas Eve and other stories. was their first released in a, an intended trilogy of Christmas-themed albums, and it remains their best-selling album. And this one does also contain the Trans-Siberian Orchestra version of Christmas Eve 1224 Sarajevo from Dead Winter Dead, which sounds just like... Yeah, I, it's, mean, basically it's it, I don't know if it's so. even
1: a re-recording. I think they just
0: lifted yeah. the tape. Yep, I think so. In 1997, they released The Wake of Magellan, Rhymed almost. This album, uh, again, is a concept album. This was as Sabotage, but it also deals with topics concerning the worth of life
1: and the impact that people have. And I think, without any argument, this is my favorite just Sabotage. To try, album. Try to just to know the alive. in the vein, all the time. You know that it's true. You know that it's true. Tell me what you store. It Doesn't it never did it, never will. But I'll be out still moving fast, leaving compromise
0: to your a time get no argument from back, me. Back, there are also back, topics of suicide, back, drug abuse, and other issues. And it was after this album that they were able to leave Atlantic and start with Nuclear Blast label. In 1998, they released the album The Christmas Attic. This was the second album of the trilogy of christmas themed albums it contains christmas canon which is a heavier take on canon in d major by pachelbel also
1: I lo- known as I love- also known as rockabell canon
0: yeah, right yes i do i really like the the tso's rock versions of of classic carols Again, not so much their original Christmas songs. Or I don't know if any of these are originals, but there were ones that that I wasn't familiar uh, with.
1: Yeah, there's some originals like the old bar where they're telling the story.
0: Yeah. Oh, what was there, it was a, there's a male and female version, like the Christmas boy and the Christmas girl, or something. Yeah,
1: there's some there's some original stuff in there. Uh, yeah, that helps tell a story that they are telling. Okay. They mix in yeah. a lot of they mix in a lot of traditional songs. They do. Yep, and it was.
0: For me, again, just for me, and that's totally fine if, if, uh, if you don't feel the same way. But, you yeah, for me, it was the, it was the, the covers that, that worked their way into my heart more than the originals. You color me surprised. <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> what do you know? Brad <laughs> likes covers and Hamlet <laughs> likes progressive. Wow, this is a really uh, enlightening episode of Soundography, people.
1: Again, don't do impressions of the audience. <laughs> All right, fine.
0: (laughs) In 2000, they released Beethoven's Last Night. This album opens with Mephistopheles appearing to Beethoven to collect his soul. Beethoven wants nothing to do with eternal damnation. Who would? So the wheeling and dealing
1: begins. Beethoven is the world's first heavy metal artist, according to Paul O'Neill. And according to my friend Ryan, uh, Rachmaninoff was the first ska musician.
0: <laughs> I've never given it any thought, but I kind of like it. And and uh, Tom Hulse would agree. Oh, no, that was Mozart. Was, he was playing. Uh, yeah. yeah. He would say Mozart was the first rock yeah. uh, heavy metal uh, Artist. There are plot twists aplenty, but in the end, Beethoven and music wins. In 2012, a narrated version with release, uh, was released exclusively at Walmart and at Trans Siberian Orchestra shows. In 2001, they released Poets and Mad Men. This back again is Sabotage. This album featured the return of John Oliver's lead singer of the band. Uh, Al Petrelli left to go play with Megadeth.
1: As, as this- advertised.
0: <laughs> oh, as we mentioned earlier, yeah. yep. This was a time of many projects and lineup changes. And of
2: this life he
1: writes Without emotion It pushes it from sight Somewhere far away
0: To a distant light Every tear betrayed
1: And never makes, and never makes, and never John Oliver's Pain, Circle to Circle, Machines of Grace, and of course, TSO. They were all over the place. People had taken their experiences, run off, and done a bunch of stuff on their own, and they were coming back to work on TSO now, pretty much primarily. And
0: that can either really help a band or really hurt a band. Like, if their focus is just not on sabotage, then, then things are bad. But if it's, you know, we've got all these other projects... And what we learn from those other projects, we bring back to sabotage. That's when it can be successful.
1: Well, actually, I think since sabotage was pretty much done at this point, these yeah. scratched that itch that sabotage was providing oh, while they the were doing yeah. while mm-hmm. they were doing like the TSO stuff because TSO is very niche in what it does. It's got a very specific mission statement. Uh-huh. Yep, uh huh. Makes sense. So John Oliver's Pain, Circle to Circle, Machines of Grace. I think those were the projects to. Scratch the itches that TSO couldn't, didn't, or wouldn't.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes sense. Um, this album, by the way, is a concept album based loosely on the life and death of journalist Kevin Carter. Shotgun Innocence was written for Edge of Thorns, but it made its appearance here. In 2003, The Ghosts of Christmas Eve was released as a DVD. And the following year, TSO released The Lost Christmas Eve. This is the last of the planned Christmas trilogy of albums.
1: So I will tell you, if you have not seen Trans-Siberian Orchestra Live, I highly recommend it. Uh, for a while, Stacy and I would see them every year right after Thanksgiving, because that's when they seem to come to Salt Lake. Mm-hmm. Uh, also when they come through Denver, right? Yeah. Right after, either right before or right after Salt Lake would be their Denver yeah. leg. So I would highly recommend seeing them. They they put on a an incredible show. And the best part is the the Christmas stuff is up front. There's a bit of a break, like an act break. And then they're like, okay, or all the old people are going home, and now we're really going to turn it up. And that's when the pyrotechnics start and the, the more kind of aggressive covers, you know, like uh, Prelude to Madness and... You know, that kind of stuff happens and they mm-hmm. have these amazing musicians come up and be featured. These amazing electric hmm. violin players and, you know, guitar players and pianists. And it's it's just so much fun. It's a great evening out. Do they,
0: um, you mentioned Prelude to Madness, do they delve into the Sabotage catalog? Or a, little it bit, all... it, a little bit, a
1: little bit. They'll do a couple of them uh, that are more... Uh, radio friendly, more public friendly, more sure. crossover accepted. So they might do mm. like a, a one child or something like that. So they don't, they don't go too far because they know their audience, but at the same time, they also know that their audience also consists a lot of dudes like me who know them from what they did before. <laughs>
0: right. Right. Okay. Cool. That's kind of, that's actually really cool. Let's see. Uh lost Christmas Eve, by the way, moves from location to location, a bar, a toy store, a hotel, and a cathedral. In 2009, TSO released Nightcastle. This one contains an amazing version of "O Fortuna from Carmina. And that's, if you're familiar with the old Guinness beer commercial.
1: Or every, one, or a, every uh, Dracula movie's trailer music. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. Uh, I love that song, so I'm, I was glad to see it. Uh, it also contains some reworked sabotage music, the Nut Rocker and Takata Carpinus Nocturne. In 2011, a choral piece called Who Am I? was released. This would later be available on the 2015 Letters from the Labyrinth. Talk about that one in a minute. In 2012, they released Dreams of Fireflies, an EP. This isn't an album with an overarching story, but each song is its own tale. Someday, the song is about how people put off saying thank you to other people.
1: Hey, Brian. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Hammond. And listeners, thank you. Yes, thank you. It almost makes makes up for him Imitating my voices earlier. Well,
1: actually.
0: Well, actually. In 2013, they also released Tales of Winter. This is a compilation album. And then finally, the Letters from the Labyrinth, which I mentioned a moment ago, uh, from 2015. Lizzie Hale stands out on her performance of Forget About the Blame. one wasn't as well received as the other releases, surprisingly. So if you're following the Sabotage throughline, many people consider that John Oliver's Pain is the continuation of Sabotage. And with many founding members either passing away or busy with TSO, Sabotage has probably run its course. Even though as recently as 2021, there were talks about a reunion and new music. Hammond, tell me about some statistics and general notes.
1: Alright, so they've had a huge influence on the power the progressive speed thrash death and symphonic metal versions of music i mean they've covered all kinds of bases they've evolved over the years they've been together adding in orchestral orchestral elements uh keyboards pianos different voices movements concept albums stories all these things and and they've played it at very different speeds like their early days they're very much more of a thrash band and then move more into progressive and and bands like Epica and Camelot, I'm sure, pulled a lot of inspiration for uh, from from these guys f- for their stuff. So they've yeah. had influences on everybody. Uh, like we mentioned, Paul O'Neill died in 2017. Dave Z, the bassist, died also in 2017. While well, he did that, while he was tying, touring with the Adrenaline Mob, which is my Dream Theater connection, because Adrenaline Mob is Mike Portnoy's project. Mm, okay. Uh, so everyone, take a drink. <clears throat> <laughs>
0: that was a dream theater reference, yeah, people, if you yeah, didn't catch yeah. it.
1: Yep. yep. So uh Wizards in Winter is the one that went viral with the computer-controlled house that was subsequently added to a beer ad.
0: Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, that one and the uh, Sarajevo
1: was also. Oh, yeah. Of course. That yeah. A lot. Yeah. That's a huge, yeah. but the 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 one that went but viral. Wizards in Winter was yeah. the big one. Okay. And, and like I said in the intro, I've seen houses do it with like Rain and Blood from Slayer. I've seen them do it with some other things. And mm-hmm. the people who do those they've got a sense of humor and they just love the music and <laughs> using Christmas lights in perverse and twisted ways. Sure. Sure. Uh, that, you
0: know, it always seems so fun to me. It's like programming the the fountains at Bellagio, like figuring out what string, what, what notes, right. Would trigger a different splash or light up or whatever. And, and wanting to really orchestrate a visual. So how come like you that. haven't I'm, been this? You're like a raspberry pie guy. So how come you haven't done this? Um, well, I don't know if I consider myself a Raspberry Pi guy. I have them. But I but I basically like, all right, this is my Raspberry Pi that is purely arcade. And this is my Raspberry Pi that is purely Octoprint for running my 3D printers. Like that's,
1: it's less about... It's function less, and not entertainment.
0: I guess so. Although, I mean, you could argue that those are entertainment and function as well. You know what the other part of it is? I don't want to get out on the, on the, on the <laughs> eaves of my house and hook up lights. All you have to we do is have them up right now.
1: Just do it once and then leave them. I know. And then change I would love the music. to have then a change the music for each season. You have Easter music <laughs> and you have 4th of July music and you got Halloween Valentine's music. Day, Valentine's day. day, Irish music. Ar- yeah. Arbor day music.
0: Then I've got to do those LEDs that, that change color. Like you can basically program any color yeah. as opposed to, I guess yeah. you have to do that anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I would totally love that. It's, it's yeah. It's it's on the list at some point, sure. Uh well, let's say you get to see Sabotage or TSO in concert. Um, what is going to be the Stairway to Heaven song? And I guess we're doing each band, right?
1: Yeah. I've kind of I've kind of broken it up Was I made That's my the only way you can do it. So yeah. my for for sabotage, I picked either gutter ballet, change, or edges thorns, but I actually think it's Hall of the Mountain King, is there their their steroid to the song. And as far as Trans-Siberian goes, if it's not 1224, 1224 I'm going to eat a hat. <laughs> well, let's start with
0: Sabotage. You absolutely nailed the first four songs. I think it's the first time you've ever done that. Paul the Mountain King, number one. Aaron's Gutter Ballet, and Edge of Thorns. Oh,
1: well wow. Done. Look at that.
0: Yeah. Rounding out the top ten for them. Chance, Dead, Winter, Dead, The Dungeons Are Calling, The Wake of Magellan, Handful of Rain, and uh, a tie for Jesus Saves and Strange Wings. And they're. do they even do um, covers in concert? Yes, Only Women Bleed by Alice Cooper is their most frequently covered song in concert that's an interesting one
1: yeah that is an interesting one
0: and then uh, trans-siberian orchestra because i didn't have both pages pulled up uh trans-siberian orchestra here we go i'm gonna guess you're right with this one too oh i am surprised requiem the fifth oh wow Number one, followed by Christmas Eve Sarajevo. I guess I have to a eat a hat now. Salt up that hat because you're <laughs> d- dining. Tonight you <laughs> dine in a haberdashery. Uh, rounding out the top 10, This Christmas Day, Wizards in Winter, A Mad Russian's Christmas, Christmas Cannon Rock, First Snow, O Come All Ye Faithful, O Holy Night, Promises to Keep, and Good King Joy. What's funny is number 11 is listed as Christmas Eve Sarajevo 1224 reprise sabotage cover.
1: Ah, it's funny.
0: It is, yeah, so <laughs> that they separate that. All right, well, let's talk about, uh, speaking of covers, what we'd like to hear them cover. And this one came to me early. It actually came to me during the Sabotage listen. And this, I think, would be, actually, would work for either band. I think it would be more fun, actually, to hear it symphonic with uh, TSO. But their, their, their music, obviously, as I mentioned before, uh, lanes towards the dramatic. And the first thing I thought of when I was listening to this is Paradise by the Dashboard, Light by Meatloaf, which tells the story of a guy who wants to have sex so bad he will promise his girlfriend anything. Even marriage. Then he can't get out of it. Um, Jim Steinman being the, the songwriter for that and, and you know, the reason that everything is so melodramatic with Meatloaf. I think uh, TSO or Sabotage would do a great job with that song. I've, I've been impressed with the Sabotage covers, so I would really like to hear John Oliver take a stab at Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Hammond, it's a new season. It's a brand new season, which means uh, the Alan Parsons train has has uh, left the station. What, what cover would you like to hear them do?
1: So with this, to be honest with you, I did think about it, and I actually do still am convinced that any band could cover Eye in the Sky. However, I'm not doing that. Including
0: Sabotage yeah. and TSO. Yeah. TSO would do a great job. Oh, I think it. they'd do an yeah. amazing
1: job with it. I'd love yeah. to hear that. However, this time I decided to take a big, big swing and I want them to do Chess, the musical, from front mm, to back. Okay. Uh, look, this is a huge ask, but they do large-scale shows with all the influences that Chess have. Uh, orchestral, rock, even a little bit of rap. Uh, they cover all the bases. They bring in lots of guest vocalists, lots of guest performers, guest musicians. Uh, if they could pull together the right team and do a Chess and Concert tour... They mm-hmm. would be heroes to many, many people, including me. <laughs> that would be that would be really cool. Uh, I'd love to hear
0: them tackle One Night in Bangkok for sure.
1: Or even like uh, uh, there's the the whole the Murano at the beginning and the Arbiter mm-hmm. and the opening ceremonies of the. I mean, there's so many things they the. They... Listen, I'll tell you
0: right now. The One Night in Bangkok, I think, is the only thing I've heard from. From chess, believe it or not.
1: No, you know other songs. You know, I know him so well because Whitney Houston covered it with her mom.
0: Oh, I do know that one. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yep. You're, and I you're think not wrong. both the ladies from ABBA sang it together at one point.
0: Yes. I think they did. Yes. So,
1: oh, all right. You win. Yeah. So you know that at least that.
0: <laughs> right. Nope. You're, you're 100% right. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, let's get to uh, our playlist. This is where we each pick a few additional songs that you could put with any compilation, greatest hits uh, album or whatever, and get a further deep dive into the band. Uh, My first one is, uh, well, it won't be a surprise to you, but it was a surprise to me. It is a cover. It is their aforementioned cover of Bad Fingers Day After Day. day. This is on the album *Fight for the Rock*. Why is it a surprise for me and not for you? Because uh, I did not see this cover coming. This one came out of nowhere, because it is right in the middle of some way heavier stuff. This is a this is a you know a cheesy '70s ballad, almost almost yacht rock. And to hear this come between a couple of heavier songs, it was like, whoa! Did did Apple Music just accidentally put another song in here? So
1: I, I totally dug this. but Especially when you think about him dressed like a Ozzy Osbourne <laughs> as a realtor. As a realtor.
0: <laughs> yes, for sure. Uh, the next two came from the same album, uh, Silent Nutcracker and Mad Russian's Christmas. This came from, uh, let's see, which album we talked about earlier. I'm scrolling really quickly. This is, this is when we get into uh, TSO. All right, so this one's uh, from The Christmas Attic. And uh, these two, I should say. Uh, First off, Silent Nutcracker. This blew my mind as... The only version of the song I've ever heard that is done on a solo acoustic guitar. And it just it is so, so good. It it's hugely technically a feat to do this song as a with you know just one acoustic guitar, but it also kind of reinvents the song for me, I really like it. And then the Mad Russians Christmas. Uh what, Tchaikovsky's? Oh, uh, I should know this. Oh yeah. This is the It's the bigger
1: it the part nut of nutcracker. nutcracker, yeah.
0: Yeah, they, that's right. Both of these are from Nutcracker. That's I think what was screwing me up is like, well, no, the first one was from the Nutcracker. No, but no, yeah, they're both Nutcracker. And I and I think that's why I put them together like that is because one came right after the other and and they both hit me uh, just right. Right, the nuts. <laughs> That's right. But also two very different things, right? Yeah. Like, while The Silent Nutcracker is so sparse and pared down, uh, Mad Russian's Christmas is, like, way over the top and hugely, uh, hugely arranged and uh, bombastic. And I really liked both of those things. Yeah. Uh, The next one comes from Beethoven's Last Night. It is uh, just called Mozart. Again, I forgot to write my notes, but I liked it because it is a cover and it's a really well done cover. Of uh, of Mozart and it's it's that same kind of thing where it reinvents a song that you've heard a million times but done in a very well arranged symphonic metal metal way. Uh, the next one is uh, Mountain Labyrinth. This one comes from uh, Letters from the Labyrinth. This is a mashup, and they do a lot of these these cool mashups, which I I always love when they come up, right? Like they're um, they had one that is well, that one we mentioned before, "Canon of Joy" or something. Yeah, yep. And it's Puckabell's "Canon" mixed with "Ode to Joy." It's just so so cool. Yeah, this is the see that's the thing. It's just called Mozart,
1: but I'm trying to remember what the actual no the mountain which, the mountain labyrinth is hollow. Oh, of I'm sorry, king, that's right. Mountain is hollow. Yeah. The mountain king and. I can't remember off the top of my head. It all just kind of bleeds together. I know it does, but it's, but it's a great,
0: it's such a great mashup, uh, which you're playing right here so people can hear what it is. Um, So, so, you know, obviously my stuff leans heavily towards the TSO side of things and almost completely, no, not even almost completely (laughs) (laughs) resides in cover song land. And uh,
1: that I'm sure is a surprise to nobody. Yep. Hammond, tell me about your your picks. All right, so my first one is Paragons of Innocence from uh, Waco Magellan. This is just a killer riff. I've always the minute I heard this song, I loved it. This riff is just so contagious, and I can't wait for me to hear it because it's right here. Uh, the next one is Handful of Rain. I am sure that this is a hit if you want to look at it uh, officially. However, mm-hmm. I still love this song. It's a great song. It's got great mood. It's got a great build. It's just it's it's fantastic. Oh, oh, oh. Wash your women! My third one is Commissar from Poets and Mad Men. This one is incredibly TSO-influenced because they were already done a few TSO albums. But there's enough sabotage in there to make a difference. And so it's the best of both worlds for me. It's the crossover that leads you into one from the other. Uh, then I picked Prelude to Madness, which is from Hall of the Mountain King, which is actually the Grieg version of Hall of the Mountain King. Mm. Which means we both have versions of Hall of the Mountain King on our we list. We do,
0: yeah. Thanks to my mountain labyrinth, yeah. yeah. Also, I you picked could just, it later
1: uh, on. I picked it later on for another one we're doing later.
0: Oh, really? Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Do we, do we do Disney's Fantasia at some no. point
1: this season? I'll, 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 I'll go ahead and spoil it. It's Ben's Clark.
0: Oh, right. On that Erasure album uh-huh. that's yep. a bonus track yep. on, uh, yep. yeah, Circus, or not Circus, but one of those. Yeah, yeah. one of
1: those early ones, yeah. Yep. And then cool. uh, I have to pick Carmina. Carmina is one of the greatest pieces of music I think ever composed. And every version of it, uh, the People who cover it or do it or conduct it or arrange it add a lot of their personality into it. And this one is very much TSO and it's very much uh, Carmina. It's very much Orph and it's rousing. And in concert, they have flames going up and (laughs) choir and it's just enormous and huge and amazing.
0: And that's a song that has to be done bombastically. Oh, yeah. So, of course, they could do an incredible job with it, right? It is like...
1: Yeah, there's no tiptoeing through Carmina.
0: No, no. Um, <laughs> oh, great, great choices. And uh, well done, Hammond. Uh, uh, well done, Steve. Well done, Steve. Yeah, Steve, thank you so much for, for tying this into us. Or, or I'm sorry, for tying this into us, for <laughs> getting us to listen to this stuff. Uh, I hope you weren't disappointed by how little of it that I, I loved, but... I, I did enjoy the whole process of getting to hear this stuff for the first time. Well, and so, also you
1: got to hear the that. evolution of trans Siberian and almost I real did. in almost like, I mean, in order you got to hear it, them I exactly grow into TSO.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And it's, and it's, um, it's apparent as you're listening to those early sabotage albums, as they evolve and start adding keyboards and adding, symphonic elements and stuff that you knew, you know, knowing that this was their end result or, or at least their current result. who knows where to go from here.
1: It's just really interesting. You got to watch almost like a time-lapse, listen to a time-lapse of the evolution, which is, I kind of envy.
0: Oh, well, thank you. Well, uh, we'll, we'll get to, we'll get to do the same damn thing for you at some point too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Shania Twain is coming up.
0: Oh yes. Yes. Oh, for both of us. Yeah. Let's
1: look at let's look at the evolution of Shania Twain, shall we? Actually, you know what? I've done the work already. Her story is actually more interesting than I would would have thought.
0: Oh yeah, no, it's the, her story's great. Yeah, <laughs> it's the music
1: <laughs> <laughs> that I'm not looking forward to.
0: But we'll see. Yeah, uh, that's for another time. Uh, listen, this is our right before Christmas episode of Soundography. So thank you so much for tuning in, and hope you have a wonderful holiday with your family and friends and the people around that you love and who love you. Uh, We love you as well. Um, And we thank you for your continued support and listening to Soundography. Look, if you want to get in touch with us, we love that too. Soundographypodcast at gmail.com is the email address to use. We're still over on Twitter at the Soundography showing no signs of, uh, of going away there. Uh, Soundography dot the website that's where you can find everything previous episodes and show notes for every epi, every episode that contain Spotify playlists uh, a link to where you can buy some of the music I'm going to link to probably Christmas Eve and other stories since that has the most of our of our stuff Would you agree or would you rather have it go to a sabotage it,
1: It's up to you uh, the sabotage okay. has the greatest hits album It's awesome I would recommend it if you're if you lean that direction grab that okay. if you lean the other direction yeah. then get the compilation for uh TSO for seven
0: for TSO yep makes sense uh of course
1: uh, we love your support over on patreon and
0: you get aforementioned good goodies like me listening or watching the video uh, <laughs> for the first <laughs> time to hold a mountain king so check out stuff stuff like that patreon.com slash. Soundography, and of course, if you love our show, leave a review where other people can see it. No, not with vandalism, but online in places where you expect to see reviews, like Spotify and iTunes and places like that. Uh, if you don't like our show, let us know. You know, let us know. Maybe there's something that, uh, or or maybe it's something that we do that we could do better for you. Um, we always like to get feedback, positive or negative, from our listeners. So please don't shy away
1: from giving us some.
0: Hammond, anything to close this out from our sabotaged uh, Trans-Siberian Orchestra?
1: Well, I just want to say happy holidays to you and thanks for doing the show with me. And uh, oh, no. coming up soon, we'll be having our Where Are They Now? and launch fully into season nine.
0: Yes. Oh, it's going to be so much fun. Be there for that or be here for that. Uh, and uh, thank you. And Hammond, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. you. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, everybody have a great rest of your 2022. We will see you next time in 2023 right here on Soundography. This show is part
2: of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com.